we had a wolf pack, if you like, of salespeople. They were the, <laughs> they were the guns of the the industry. They were number one. They were the best. They would have killed for each other. The camaraderie that we built, and it's by being responsible and and nurturing and caring. This is Chris Reynolds, and welcome to the Entrepreneur House podcast. The Entrepreneur House is a business accelerator for six- and seven-figure entrepreneurs creating events and retreats all over the world. Picture yourself spending four weeks with other high-level entrepreneurs in the northern mountains of Thailand this coming October and November 2017. It will be full of masterminds, workshops, advisors, like-minded entrepreneurs, and of course, some fun adventure. If you're ready to take your business to the next level with other successful entrepreneurs, be sure to Apply at theentrepreneurhouse.com. Today, listeners, we are very excited to welcome James Schramko to the show. James is a super serial entrepreneur and founder of the Superfast Business Online Community, the Superfast Podcast, and the Silver Circle. James has been a salesman and entrepreneur for years and has worked to help many successful entrepreneurs take their business to an even higher level. Today, we will get to know James on a personal level and see if we can get him to share some of his wisdom and secrets about sales and community building. And with that, let's welcome James Schrampko to the show. How are you doing, James? Good. Thanks, Chris. Great to be here. Yeah, great to have you, my friend. And you're calling in from sunny Australia today. Is that right? I wish it was sunny. It's a little overcast, but yes, yeah, so it's uh, the morning here. The surf's up, a little bit of a southerly swell, and right next to the beach here in Manly, which is the... the um, the gateway to the northern beaches of Sydney. Are you going to get a surf in this morning? Of course. <laughs> cool. Okay, so we want to jump right into it, James, and get to know you as an entrepreneur and how you became the man that you are today. So if you don't mind sharing with us your backstory and kind of where it all started and how it evolved. Well, I was born, <laughs> then I uh, went to school. After school, I did some accounting studies, which I didn't enjoy very much, and then started in the full-time workforce as my parents had a financial setback. I went into debt collection during a recession, and as the economy started to recover, I went through into uh, the technology sector in an uh, administration-type role, and then I went into the car industry, firstly with BMW and then with Mercedes-Benz as a salesperson and then progressed through to sales management, general sales management, and then general management. So by the end of my full-time career, I was running Mercedes-Benz dealerships here in Sydney and helping them become more profitable. And at the same time, I was learning how to build a website at home on my laptop while I watched TV, hoping that I could set up my own business. I had no idea what I was going to sell. I, I just knew that I really needed my own business and through a lot of struggles, figured out how to build a website and learned about things like SEO and got quite good with that and started publishing cheat sheets on that to help people do better with their SEO and to build their own website and then created my own products, made lots of affiliate money and then started coaching other business owners who are struggling. And then I discovered my super skill was really as a general manager, I had a very broad business overview and lots of experience in the trenches in a real business. Like in some cases, the businesses I was working in were turning over uh, or we had revenue of $100 million a year. So there were substantial businesses with a lot of moving parts and a lot of staff. We had 70-something staff in one and 100 in the other. And 
a lot of these small-time entrepreneurs who had sort of been to university and were now online just skipped that whole career part and, and lacked a lot of the business fundamentals. So my super skill is to help people fill in the gaps and avoid errors and to manage their strategy better and run teams and and uh, build their businesses. And I've since been able to found and grow and even sell my own online businesses, especially the SEO one, uh, seopartner.com was a seven-figure SEO business and I was able to sell that and uh, now I'm working on new projects and doing some revenue share deals, some coaching and uh, enjoying life. It's a, it's a good phase right now. I want to rewind a little bit and go back to your days as a car salesman and rumor has it you at one point you were the top salesman for BMW in Australia. Is that correct? That is correct. Within one year of my first sales job, wow. hit number one spot. And then I, when I left BMW and went to Mercedes-Benz, I was able to repeat that. What do you think it was that you had that made you so successful at selling cars compared to the I'm, others? The others were all very similar. They were um, mostly doing things you'd expect car salespeople to do, which is unfortunate. I had a, a really good sales education from the top salespeople in the country in the job that I had before I went into a full-time sales role. When I was working with the telephone company, which was uh, owned by Vodafone, which is one of our large providers here in Australia, and they're from the UK, it was, uh, it was actually 1993 I started working with them. And we, was, and we had digital telephones in Australia in 1993. So it's a long time before they reached North America. And it was brand new technology. And what they did is went out and recruited the best salespeople they could find from Xerox in particular. Mm. We had the best of the best. These people were selling $500,000 photocopier machines. And these sales team that I was working with, and I wasn't a salesperson, I was an administrator, had been the elite of the elite salespeople. And they'd all studied spin selling. And they'd also been through Brian Tracy's Psychology of Selling. And as a 12-year-old, I'd actually read Tom Hopkins' How to Master the Art of Selling. Even though I didn't really realize that I'd started incorporating a lot of the word tracks. And I had a good fundamental understanding of the sales process. But these salespeople took uh, a liking to me and they started to to share with me these resources and I used to attend the sales meetings and I'd hear my sales manager talking about spin selling and he would survey them and role play with them and I just absorbed it all. By the time I got into the sales environment, I was approaching sales in a very different way than every other salesperson and that's because I had a different definition of what selling actually was. And my whole mindset was completely different than everyone else. So you mentioned spin selling. What exactly is that? Spin selling is by Neil Rackham. And it's definitely centered around large account selling or selling complex things. But it's a framework. And spin is simply a framework that stands for situation, uh, which means you, you seek to understand somebody's situation before you offer solutions. Like that's, that's a step that a lot of people skip. They start offering solutions with no appreciation for where the customer is actually at. P is for problems. That's probing for pain points and the challenges that a customer is facing. 
because you can't prescribe a solution until you know what their problems are. And I is for implications. That's helping the customer develop those problems. You might have heard it as um, agitate in other sales languaging, but it's developing those problems and having the customer see how big that problem is, how it can get out of hand if they don't solve it. And then N is for needs or really it should be solutions. However, SPIS doesn't quite sound the same. <laughs> so the, he did a lot of data. He challenged a lot of the conventions of sales wisdom from the, the 70s and 80s that was just plain wrong. You know, people talk about 27 different closes and all of this nonsense and they talk about, you know, learn how to be a closer. Mm-hmm. Anyone who talks about that has no idea about selling whatsoever. It's all in the opening. It's all in understanding the challenge. It's all having the customer facilitate the sale by creating an environment where it becomes obvious to the customer that your solution is a good step forward. And it breaks it down into a process. I've just got so much from that text. And I applied that to the automotive industry. I've applied it to videos and emails ever since it's just such a simple framework to use and it was the starting point for me and i of course i devoured every single possible resource i could about selling from jittima through to hopkins and brian tracy in between and I, i love the field i love the craft and i became very good at it but i, I think the definition of selling that i picked up from neil rackham was great and he just describes it as a process Sale is the process of change from one situation to a better alternative situation. That's it. So if that's the process, all you really need to know is what is the starting situation? Where is the customer at now? And what would be a better situation for that customer? And to find out a better situation, it's good to know what pains and challenges that customer is having. So example, a customer has a a two-seater car, a roadster. That's their current situation. Uh, the problem or the challenge is that they're going to have a baby, a new addition to the family. The implication is they won't be able to even bring that kid home from the hospital in a two-seater vehicle. They can never go out anywhere with the wife and the child with the, you know, in the same vehicle. Mm-hmm. So that is a huge implication. The solution, of course, is to get a car with more seats, to get perhaps a four-door sedan instead. So it becomes obvious to the customer when you guide them through this process if they don't already know it. Now, that's an obvious example, but sometimes the customers struggle a bit to know what their challenges even are. So through good investigative questions and probing and being curious, you can develop that with them. And what I found is the order would generally take care of itself. You don't have to know 27 tricky closes because the customer starts asking, what color does it come in? When can I have it? How much is it? These sort of the natural progression of them realizing, hey, I've found my solution. James, I want to ask you a couple things. Uh, first off, what would you say is your biggest takeaway from your days at BMW and Mercedes? There were so many because I was there for a long time. <laughs> like that, It's like saying, you know, which part of the encyclopedia do you find knowledgeable? <laughs> uh, you know, I had a lot of good mentors to learn from, mm-hmm. especially my bosses. And they were, in most cases, they had some incredible strengths and some in, incredible weaknesses. So I was able to learn both ways. So I was able to learn the good and I was able to take lessons from the bad. And the 
second last boss that I had was somewhat of a of a tyrant, and uh, I learned so much from him because he had such uh, a different view of the world, and uh, I got some really big takeaways from that that guided me for the next decade after afterwards. So I think they were the big lessons. And they're lessons that are not commonly known or practiced in business, that you won't find them in most books. You just had to to live that world. He was a huge fan of, of General Patton. Mm-hmm. He had a whole approach of no compromise. He was an extreme brinkman. You know, he could take something right to the edge. Sometimes he'd push it over. And ultimately, he did and lost everything, apparently. Uh, but I got to see this up close. And he was very hard to work for but also brilliant in many ways. So it was, it was a big, it was, t- it was tough. I was in a hot furnace and I was forging that, that hard steel as a result of it. So I have a stronger sword than most business operators because I've been through that furnace mm-hmm. and you know, most people are just walking around with wooden sticks by comparison. You know, they're lightweights. The industry itself is hard. It's uh, over 100 years old. It's extremely competitive. It's very aggressive, male-dominated, competitive environment where only the toughest survive. So it it, it actually – I think you could equate it almost to uh, post-traumatic stress disorder yeah. or whatever they call it <laughs> from war veterans mm-hmm. because – a lot of my friends from that industry and some of them who are out of it now, you know, we chat about it and some of them still have nightmares. Uh, you know, my worst nightmare is still, you know, being in that car dealership, you know, having <laughs> one boss who's a crazy tyrant working for an insanely arrogant, you know, German company who are so uh, forceful and manipulative and, and bully you. Uh, you know, like it's, it's a tough game. It really is a tough game. And i I learned so much and I'm thankful for the experience, but I'm also lucky I got out. I'm like the guy that got out of it. I got away from it. A lot <laughs> of them just turn into burnt out, bitter old men. Yeah, I've seen that before in the sales industry and it could be um, uh, definitely a challenge to work with people like that and also a challenge to escape that lifestyle too. James, one sales book that you would recommend? Well, I'd have to go for spin selling now, wouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> By Neil Rackham. Okay. I really recommend that book. Okay. Let's talk community building. Now, you've been building super fast business for a while now, and it seems like you're just kind of a, a, a great community builder because you're also running a silver circle as well. And so I want to ask you, uh, when did you start to build a community and Why? I'd say I started building community with my first child and uh, kept having them until we, we had four <laughs> kids. So, you know, I've, I've, I've got the key ingredient that you need to be a community builder, and that is responsibility. Mm. I'm very responsible. I'm extremely responsible to, to myself, but also I am a good carer of others. I really take, take it seriously. You know, client means someone within your care. Jay Abraham talks about that. And I, I do care. One of my bosses actually said, you care too much. That's, that was the accusation at some point because wow. I cared about my team. I used to build a community of salespeople. When I had to go and fix up these dealerships that were broken, it, you know, the last three roles I had, I had to start again with the sales team. 
when I first became a sales manager, I, got, I inherited two and a half salespeople. Two salespeople and a brand new trainee who'd just been hired and knew nothing. I had to build them up and they became the top salespeople. And then when I went to the next place, they had six losers in the sales team. They were selling 20-something cars a month and they were supposed to be one of the biggest dealers in Sydney. And I hired 21 salespeople and we were doing over 120 cars a month. We turned that place around by building a community. We had a wolf pack, if you like, of salespeople. They were the... the, the guns of the the industry they were number one they were the best they would have killed for each other the camaraderie that we built and it's by being responsible and and nurturing and caring and i think i picked up a lot of the nurturing from my mum as i'm reflecting on my own life because i'm writing a book at the moment i can see how much her caring nature working with charities for her entire life since she was a kid at school has come across to me and you know so naturally when i became online and i started nurturing other people it's it started even early when i was just there by myself in my home office just having quit my job i met guys like james dyson online in the warrior forum and he was just selling templates as graphical templates and he was a brilliant designer just kid like i don't think he was even 20 years old maybe 19 mm-hmm. and I took him under my wing and I started giving him some advice and some tips and together we we created this idea of optimized press and then he launched it to the world and he made a million dollars in his first year and I've always nurtured others and it makes sense for me to create a community because I have a lifetime customer philosophy. I like to help someone for a long time. I yeah. don't I don't want this one-time relationship and then find a new customer next week. I want the same customer forever. And I could create this huge snowball of community and I love the the cross collateralization of ideas and knowledge the the ability to to create magic really that this there's this online thing in the cloud you know my kids can't explain what I do my parents have no <laughs> idea something to do with the internet and evidently it pays well my dad says <laughs> but this 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 online collaboration of hundreds of people in super fast business membership who share ideas and exchange and you know create things together and then we come together in a live event each year it's just magical i i don't know it's there's something about when i stand up there and deliver the first presentation at my own event each year and i see hundreds of people in in that room that came together because of something that I believed in. It was just an idea. It was a domain name at some point. And it's this idea. And they come together and they have this thing in common and the bonding. And the, I don't know, it's really hard to measure emotion, but it's like the atmosphere is electric. And I love that. Not from an ego point of view, but from an artist's point of view, like creating something from mm. nothing. I, I love that whole concept of an entrepreneur. Like it's talked about in Atlas Shrugged, where you're creating value, you're doing something positive. I really like that. I like, I love it when members get results, when they post a success, when they share with me how they've changed their life situation. I used to enjoy that with salespeople. I'd see them get married, have kids, buy a house, you know, and and that started from them being a, a rookie salesperson with no sales knowledge, and I just mentor them from the beginning. And I found a way where I can mentor people and continue to get paid for it. Uh, is a better environment than just working for one employer. So I've somehow managed to design my life around the things that 
I enjoy and get tremendous amount of value from. And I'm all about value creation and solving problems. I'm like this full-on problem solver. James, now you mentioned that when you were training your salespeople that you created a type of a wolf pack where the members would almost die for each other. So I'm a big fan of Navy SEALs because I love their stories and the leadership lessons that you can learn from those stories and really the bonding and brotherhood that they create amongst each other, which absolutely they would die for each other. So I'm curious how one could, how you created that type of environment where that bond was so strong that you know that you know that you know that you know that this guy that's also working with you would risk it all to make sure that you were okay. Well, one thing is get out of that ivory tower, you know, get, like get down with the troops and do stuff with them. Mm-hmm. You no, know, a, a guy would start his first job and I would teach him how to wash a car. Like I'd go out into the wash bay and roll up my sleeves and take off my $500 cufflinks <laughs> and uh, put them in my pocket and I'd grab a sponge and I'd say, this is how we do it. You know, like you're, you're down there doing stuff with them, showing them that you're not asking them to do anything that you wouldn't do yourself. I'd be out on the sales floor with them, helping them get a deal over the line. Uh, I would work with, you know, I'd, I'd have these rookies sit in my office and do their phone calls with me in my office every day so that I could tune up their word tracks. What they were saying on the phone makes such a difference between making a sale and losing a sale. And as soon as they'd hang up, we'd go through how they could approach it better next time. And I'd talk to them about why the things they're saying are creating the reactions that they're getting and so forth. So I would just give and give and be there for them and show them, not just theorize or tell them or make demands. And I would give them education and and nurturing in the form of role plays and uh, training. Like if you were to go into any car dealership, I guarantee you will never, ever see what we used to do. (laughs) I don't know anyone that did this. For example, every single morning, we would grab the video camera and we'd go out to the showroom, we'd pick a car and we would role play selling that vehicle or presenting that vehicle. We'd talk about the product knowledge we'd, we'd, you know, and we'd video it and then we'd play back the video and break it down like a football team would. Mm. We did that every day. We were sharp. like We had good skills because we drilled and we practiced and we spent so much time together because you're virtually working seven days a week in those kind of environments. You're there on the weekend when everyone else is with their family. You're there at seven o'clock at night in the showroom with a bunch of people who arrive at, at six o'clock you know, at the front door pretending they're going to buy a car and you have to just wait. You can't lock up yet. You've got to wait and wait and see how it goes and then they try and negotiate with you and haggle. You know, it's dark, you're starving, your family's <laughs> at home, the kids are almost getting tucked into bed, but you're there with your, with your comrades, you know, working the mission and then you all lock up together and, and you, you know, you're doing high-risk activities, you're doing highly emotional activities and you're doing them together. So I can see how there would be parallels to a team of Navy SEALs, although I wouldn't send any of my salespeople to a foreign country to, you know, to extract someone. (laughs) They might sell them something, but I don't know if they could rescue them. Now, what are some ways that you do that currently with the entrepreneurs that you work with? There's, well, there's there's two angles to this. One is I have my own team now. I've I've got a very, very crack team of online helpers working in my business who the – 
the newest one in my team's been with me for five years and the longest seven. So we have a really solid team. Our core team is just phenomenal. And then in terms of students, I create these little environments. So in both of my communities, whether it's super fast business or silver circle, I've just taken it up a notch from any other coach or mentor. Like I don't know anyone who will personally coach a student at a high level for under 25 grand a year. But I've got an app on my phone that I give my Silver Circle members and they can have an asynchronous conversation with me. They can send audio, video or text, pictures and chat with me at any time. They're right there on the phone at an app. And I've done the same for Superfast Business. They have their own private coaching section of the membership which they can use from an app as well. And they can ask me anything they want privately and personally. And I only charge $599 a year for Superfast Business. And they get that personal touch. Plus, they get all the recordings from my previous live events. They get a live monthly training as well where I'll field every single question they throw at me until they're done. And they will also be able to you know, network with each other. So I, I think that that close connection and being accountable. And I can tell you I've logged into my forum pretty much every single day for the last eight years and that's commitment. I don't know many people who are prepared to do that. And in fact, the first question most entrepreneurs ask me when they want help from me on how to set up a membership is how can I set it up so I don't have to ever be there? How can my team run? They want to be the absent coach it doesn't work that way. You've got to be present. You've got to make that commitment. So then if you're working with your team or with your students on a daily basis almost, how are you managing your time with four kids and you love to surf and I'm sure you need your own personal time and how do you balance that? Well, I don't do any appointments on Friday, Saturday, Sunday or Monday. So I block four days a week for me. So that that's time to think and to focus. And it's easy for me. I've set my business up where because it's app-based, there's no set time. I don't have to turn up at 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock or be in any particular place. As long as I've got my phone, I can actually get through most of my questions in 30 minutes to an hour a day. Okay. So it's not super onerous because I also give people homework. They, they, they can't just drill me to death with 75 questions in one day. They're going to ask me something. I might ask them a thoughtful question that they have to go and answer or reflect on or research or implement, especially execute. I'm a big fan of execution. The other thing is on Tuesdays, I do my group calls for my Silver Circle members. I have set call times on Tuesdays, one in the morning and one in the evening. Wednesdays are for external facing things like this call. I have three calls in the morning three calls in the afternoon and that's for other people's podcasts it's for guests on my podcasts and mm-hmm. and now actually i've blocked thursdays so thursday friday saturday sunday monday are off and i have tuesdays and wednesdays which are externally facing and basically every other day i just answer my posts from my phone or from you know my my browser if i prefer and i surf every single day and i can travel wherever i want because i don't have any you know requirement to be in in a particular place so location independence is very high on my list of requirements so james how many members does super fast business have now uh we've got uh, well over 500 members now 
Okay. And in the Silver Circle, how many members belong to that? I keep about 30 members in there. Okay. And can you share with us the requirements to be a part of Superfast Business and Silver Circle? Superfast Business is, you know, anyone can join that. There's a waiting list because we regulate our onboarding. We make sure when a new member comes in, I'm able to give them direct attention. It's part of what I need to be able to do. So we regulate that around cycles so that I can batch around that. For Silver Circle, it's strictly application only. Uh, it will be a minimum six-figure per year business requirement has to be the business owner has to be in a business that i'm interested in in being involved with because it's very personalized we have a hybrid in that program there's group elements and there's one-to-one elements and uh you know there's the, the caliber of members in that is so good that i i have to preserve the quality of that group so most of the silver circle members became members as a referral from another silver circle member the easiest way to get into Silver Circle is to ask an existing member for a referral or an introduction. And there's always a vetting process, which I do with the person we talk about, if it's a good fit. I'll only take on a customer if I know I can smash it out of the park with them. And beyond that, if there's someone I'm working with for a while and we're really getting on well and they want me to take a more formal approach to their business, then I might look at a revenue share deal where I'll take a small percentage of their entire revenue to work with them forever. And those are the sort of deals that I like the most and are extremely lucrative for people who take those up because they they only pay me if they make money. And, uh, you know, I, I – basically can customize my solution i can do anything from introduce them to new markets to tuning up their team or whatever i can even have my own team do things on those projects because i'm a stakeholder in their success james i'd like to ask you what does the next five to ten years look like for your communities so I'd say in 10 years, there's a good chance I will have sold my communities by then. In five years, I, there's a good chance I would have exited both of them. I would say Silver Circle will morph into revenue share deals only. Mm-hmm. And Superfast Business uh, will probably be sold by that point or, or you know bundled up and sold off. In five years. In five years' time, I plan to have built quite a large business in a different market, which I've already started and it's getting some good traction. And my plan is to sell that in five to seven years from now for a large sum. So that's my my side focus. And I'm a huge believer in being a practitioner, not just a, a theorist. So it's important for me to have my hand in and to create something and to validate my ideas. And I was you know, really pleased to be able to sell my SEO business and my website business last year because it it meant that the things that I'm doing were working and especially the circumstances involving that where I sold my SEO business and my website development business to customers of mine and the SEO business in particular, probably my most successful customer that I've ever created from scratch and he ended up being able to buy my business. He was that successful doing the things that we talked about and uh, that was very exciting to see that happen. 
And James, one last question. If you were going to give two to three must-do tips for fellow community builders out there, what would they be? First one is just look look through the lens of a lifetime customer. So don't do things that will tarnish your ability to deal with someone for a long time. Just don't do douchey stuff and short-term tactics. So stop gouging customers or pressing them too much. Like they, They're there to get and it might take a while and just take your time with it. Don't, don't be in such a hurry. So it's about reducing compromise, not gearing yourself to the eyeballs or putting yourself under pressure to need to make money today. If you can not have to be desperate for money, then you can really focus on being a good solution for your audience. The other thing is I would say just question everything. There's a lot of bad advice out there. There's, there's a, you know, I've managed to have a very contrarian business compared to the, the standard norms. I don't do product launches. I don't have affiliates. I don't do much in the way of paid traffic. I don't have uh, a gazillion people doing the things that uh, other people think that they need. I don't really even have a mentor as such. Uh, you know, you don't have to do all the stuff that other people say and. I would just say question all of your assumptions on a regular basis, maybe every 12 weeks. Just draw up your business from scratch on a whiteboard and poke holes in it. Look at the numbers, look at your cohorts, see where the traffic's coming from, see which products are selling well. Pay attention to things that energize you and make you feel good and the things that suck the lifeblood from you. And don't worry too much about what everyone else is doing because most people are doing it wrong. If you want Mate. a third one, gee, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe those two is enough. <laughs> Keep it simple. Keep it simple. That's step three, right? <laughs> All right, James, we have to give you a huge thank you for coming on to the show, my friend. Thank you so much for giving us your time and sharing your wisdom with the listeners and myself. Um, I'm sure they appreciate it, and I do really appreciate it too, and wish you the best on all your ventures. If there's some listeners out there, James, that would like to get a hold of you, where's the best place they should go? Just start at superfastbusiness.com. I've got over 500 podcasts there. So if you have a little search around, I'm sure you'll find something that holds your interest and you can get uh, some extra knowledge there, like whatever's your biggest challenge right now. I type that into the search box. I'm sure I will have already talked to somebody about it and uh, hopefully that, that gives you some great value. We've got lots of resources there as well. We, we transcribe everything and now we create checklists and frameworks to really help you out. And as always, we'll put all those links in the show notes. James, once again, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Listeners, thank you so much for tuning in and we appreciate your commitment and we appreciate you returning to listen to our podcast. We're going to sign off there and we will see you all on the next episode. Goodbye, everybody. The Entrepreneur House is a business accelerator for six and seven figure entrepreneurs. Imagine spending an extended period of time with other successful entrepreneurs working together and growing your business. Day to day, you interact with other driven and smart business people. Spending an extended period of time around them alters your business and your mentality around business. Goals are set, business grows, new partnerships develop, greater profit margins are achieved, the productivity skyrockets for attendees, and you get to have an incredible adventure while doing 
doing it. This year, our main event will be held in Chiang Mai, Thailand. It is four weeks from October 26th to November 24th and held for six and seven figure entrepreneurs only. It will be full of workshops, masterminds, advisors, co-working, and fun weekend social events. Be sure to check out the details at theentrepreneurhouse.com as soon as possible. This event will fill up fast. For those of you that are interested and have some questions, be sure to contact us through theentrepreneurhouse.com forward slash contact. We will respond as soon as possible. For now, saludos from somewhere in the world.